0: part of the game change here is that the fact that you will be able to say, I need these specific speeds or response times in the network to power this particular service or product. And by being able to guarantee it, then you imagine again, all these types of autonomous driving or robotics or manufacturing, not going to be possible if it only works sometimes.
1: What I'm most excited about is that opportunity for innovation, continued innovation, and even disruption as well. It's about being able to get the value that Consumers are looking for, are expecting, and demanding to them in a convenient and easy way when they want it as well.
2: For the carriers, for the communication provider, really, 5G is almost going back to the really old landline days where you picked up your phone, you always had dial tone. I can never remember growing up never having dial tone that reliability has not been there in the mobile world to date and that's one of the promises of 5g is to get that level of reliability back into the communications network
3: when you look down at your phone do you see a little 5g symbol and if you do do you know what that actually means or what kind of service 5g is providing and then to take it one step further if you're a business owner Are you actually connected to 5G? Is it helping your company move faster and operate more efficiently? Whatever the answers to those questions are, the problem remains that many of us, consumers and business owners alike, are still mostly in the dark about what 5G truly is, how it's different, and why we're actually only just scratching the surface of what 5G is really capable of. On this roundtable episode of Up Next in Commerce, I dove deep into the mysteries of 5G and maybe 6G with Jeff Coleman, the Chief Product Officer at GoTransverse, Natasha Sashdeva, who's the VP of Solutions Engineering at Miracle, and Oliver Smith, who's a technology lead from the office of the CTO at Matrix. We discussed what 5G is and is not, how it's currently being utilized, and what kind of possibilities will be opened up when 5G is made available in a more widespread manner. But to get there, it's gonna take a lot of partnership with telecom companies, enterprise software businesses, and cloud platform and marketplace providers, which is what brought my three guests all together today. It was a super interesting discussion, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, and I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent state of commerce report.
2: Hi, this is John from Salesforce.
0: Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide and we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word.
3: Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash up in commerce. It's amazing, it's great, you will learn a lot of good things, so subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at mission.org. Today, we have an epic roundtable where we're going to be covering 5G and marketplaces. And I've brought on the experts to go through all of this. And I'm going to let each of you guys introduce yourself. So first, Natasha, I'll start with you. What is your name and where are you from?
1: Hi, I'm Natasha Sushteva. I'm the VP of Solutions Engineering at Miracle.
3: Awesome. Jeff, you're next up.
2: Hi, I'm Jeff Coleman. I'm Chief Product Officer at GoTransverse. Oliver? Yeah. Hi,
0: I'm Oliver Smith, and I am a technical lead at Matrix Software, part of the CTO office.
3: Okay. So to get everyone kind of grounded on where you guys are from, I want to go through what the companies do just so everyone can kind of have a good starting point. So maybe Oliver, let's start off with what is Matrix? Give me a bit of background.
0: So we're a product company. We were founded around 2009. And really, you know, our goal from the very beginning was to just rethink... Uh, how um, telecom providers monetize their services. So, uh, you know, when they earn revenue, they can do it in many different ways and we're there to help them do that. Our founders realized really early on, you know, when you start thinking back at 3G and sort of the iPhone and, and as we moved into 4G that we were living in an all increasingly connected and also digital uh, world. So what we realized and what our founders realized, you know, foremost was that we were still doing things like we were 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. right? We were charging for things in very old, traditional ways, and there was no innovation. So that's really where Matrix comes in. We offer a digital commerce platform that is helping telecom providers uh, monetize things in ways that are uh, new and also more relevant for their customers.
3: Well, seems so needed. I'm just thinking of all the ideas and ways that could help current providers that I work with. Okay. Natasha, how about you? Tell me a bit about Miracle. What do you do there and what is Miracle? Yeah,
1: definitely. So if you think if you think about the commerce leaders um, in the space like Amazon and Alibaba, they've expanded B2B and B2C commerce uh, through a platform business model. So this has been giving them that competitive advantage by connecting third-party suppliers to drive the growth of their business without actually carrying the costs of, or the, even the risks of owning the goods and services that they offer online. Now, Miracle, for over the past nine years, we've been able to help businesses gain that platform advantage as well. So Miracle empowers um, more than 300 of the world's leading enterprises, including Salon Centric by L'Oreal USA, Madewell, and Toyota Material Handling to power their marketplaces to improve profitability and a better customer experience.
3: And then what does your day-to-day job look like there? Yeah. So as the
1: VP of Solutions Engineering, I manage a team across the Americas and APAC that um, are the subject matter experts within the sales team. So we go out and uh, talk about the benefits and the values and as well as demonstrate the um, capabilities of the platform.
3: Okay. Jeff, how about you? You're up next. Tell me a bit about GoTransverse. What's your role and what is GoTransverse?
2: GoTransverse is a software as a service monetization platform built by people who came out of the telco billing space. We all worked for the major telecom billing companies in the past, realized that moving to the cloud 12 years ago was the right thing to do. So built from scratch, a purpose-built monetization platform that's SaaS-based, no custom code, everybody on the same product.
3: Cool. Okay. And what does your day-to-day look like?
2: My day-to-day is uh, managing our product, team, which includes our product management group, our architecture group, and our engineering group.
3: Cool. Sounds like a lot. Okay. So I think maybe the best way to start the conversation is kind of also talking about like 5G as a starting point. Like what does the landscape look like right now? What are some of the big innovations happening? And maybe what are the biggest surprises? So maybe Oliver, I might start with you and then Jeff and Natasha hop in whenever you want.
0: Yeah, sure. So maybe starting off a little bit by just saying, you know, I think when we think of 5G, we think, oh, we, well, we've heard 3G, we've heard 4G, so 5G must be pretty much more of the same. Yeah,
3: just better, a little better.
0: Maybe just you know, stronger, better, faster. Yeah. Um, and that's not entirely incorrect, but it's a very narrow view of it. So it's, it's actually a lot different. And so you know, one way to look at it is, is 5G is really a network that has been designed for essentially all things. So you can call it the network for all things. So it's not just about fast broadband, but it will also cater to mass IoT, so connecting billions of devices that you know, may be very simple instruments or sensors used across all industries like agriculture or manufacturing, but then there's also capabilities that are part of 5G to deliver ultra-reliable and low-latency communications. So in a nutshell, what happens is you end up moving away from what has traditionally been you know, best effort type of networks to very purpose uh, networks you know, defined for very specific types of applications. What those exact killer apps might be, that's the part that we're gonna start, you know, we'll we'll start to see here soon. Mm -hmm. It's a network that's gonna allow us to move across all kinds of industries and bring very, you know, new innovation and new types of services we've never seen before.
3: Oh, okay, that's interesting. So I just had on someone from Avery Dennison the other day, and he was talking about how they're essentially putting digital triggers on every part of the supply chain and every part of like, you know, even a piece of produce, like knowing the temperature that it got to, but then thinking about like how to actually get that data. Seems like exactly what you're talking about. Of like actually building that network to even be able to receive it, because right now, I mean, maybe it's possible. I don't know. You tell me. I guess.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. But and and then certain certain instances, some of that is capable, but using maybe some different technologies. Uh, part of it is. I mean, you look at so many angles and aspects. For example, you know, the the consumption, how much energy does it require? So if you think about very small devices that are located remotely, if it, if If being connected means, you know, draining a lot of, you know, a lot of energy, then it's not a solution that's going to be very viable. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is again, where 5G has, you know, addressed many of these concerns. So those are the types of examples that you will, you'll be seeing in the coming years.
3: Yeah. I've also heard people kind of shifting to think about things as in like value and thinking about their business as a whole. And it's kind of moving to a more not consumer language, but it's not as like technical where before it was very much in like transactions and like how many you know, items can we even have in there? So how has that shift been happening where now I feel like it's becoming more mainstream to kind of view 5G and like the shift to that in a way that's actually gonna help businesses and set them up for success. It just seems like the terminology has been changing a bit.
0: For a company like Matrix, this is where we're working very much with, with our product and with, the, with our customers to look and reimagine how things are monetized, right? Because we've been doing things like, you know, charging for how many mes- messages you send or how, many, mm-hmm. how long your telephone call was and, and uh, how much data you're using. But, you know, some of those are, are, are relics from the past and some of them have never really made sense. You know, I mean, today, even today, many of us will say, well, what, you know, exactly what's one gigabyte of data? Uh, what can I do with it, right? Yep. So what we're doing is we're really looking as you start seeing all these different types of services recognizing that we need to find ways to charge that are more meaningful. So that might be, you know, charging based on, you know, access to something. For example, as a consumer, how many times I'm accessing a game or maybe where, from where am I accessing this particular service and maybe, you know, paying for that differently or what's actually being carried. Think about, you know, what 100 gigabytes of YouTube, if we could figure out, okay, that's 100 gigabytes of YouTube versus 100 gigabytes of a high-resolution image being sent from an ambulance to the hospital, which one's more valuable? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we have an opportunity with 5G to start to recognize and to bring about some of that change, recognizing the value that's being delivered by this huge investment that we're making and the capabilities that 5G will offer us.
3: Well, I love that, Natasha. I see you nodding your head over there. What do, you, do you have any thoughts around you know, 5G and kind of what it's bringing to us right now or what you're excited about?
1: Yeah, I think as um, as Oliver mentioned, right? There's the innovation and in these smaller, different, and uh, new, unique offerings that are coming up, and so the pace is going to continue to to go up. And in order for service providers to be able to provide this value, they need to be able to open up their platform, or open up their 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 business model to be able to like to leverage the different innovation that's being generated and provided throughout the industry, and be able to. Provide that to their businesses as well as to other consumers as well. So definitely uh, see that there is a need for this solution right now as, as we're we're coming into this this new world of five G.
3: Yeah. Okay. I mean, so that's perfectly tying into like the marketplace conversation, which I you know wanted to touch on heavily. At one point, you know, it's like you would hear four G and five G, but as a consumer, you're like, well, I can't get it. Like for some reason, it's not being offered to me right now. I have to wait until you know either go to the city to get it or get a different provider. And I mean, the whole concept of marketplaces, you know, obviously allows a lot more, like a lot of new sellers to come in, consumers benefit. So I want to talk a bit about that, of like how we see that shaping up right now. Um, and Natasha, maybe you'd be best to start and then we can go over to Jeff, because I know he's got some ideas too around that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's businesses are, are facing a tremendous pressure to innovate at this point in time. And it is, is, it's make or break for them at the moment. There's always a cha- like an ongoing demand within, within the, the market itself. And what we found in the last year is that marketplaces and the growth of marketplaces has actually doubled that over commerce and, and e-commerce. And I've been in the e-commerce space for the past 14 years. And so when you think about that, there are limits to what e-commerce can do and at, at scale that it can provide as we think about marketplaces it's going to really like speed up and bring that agility because there's this whole network of of sellers that can be accessed there's a whole you know host of offers and and like that are services that are are being offered and provided that you can hook in to a marketplace quite quickly and rapidly and then be able to leverage um, expertise of, of organizations like Miracle that have that marketplace experience to be able to build out the, the bundling of services and products that are needed to, to consumers quite easily um, and quite quickly as well.
3: It kind of reminds me when I bought my house here in Austin. And I mean, there was essentially kind of like a marketplace and also a concierge who helped me get all my... Like everything set up in once. And it was amazing. But it also made me think like, What if there were many of these marketplaces, like too many? I mean, I've had them come on the show, a couple of different CEOs who are building marketplaces. And it made me wonder, like, at what point are there too many marketplaces? And then they unbundled them again. I mean, we've seen that, you know, the bundling and unbundling effect going on over the past decade. So how do we know if there's too many or the perfect amount? I mean, Jeff, what are your thoughts around, you know, what what makes a marketplace good and, you know, people coming back versus now it's just there to be there?
2: I mean, really what makes it good what makes it sticky is a good customer experience. So really for the consumer, whether it's a business or a person buying something, it's making sure the experience is seamless. So, you know, a lot of talk about 5G, but really to the end customer, 5G should be a material. Mm -hmm. What they're looking for is they're looking for a product with a service that has possibly some communication component that is carried over the network. So how do you make that seamless to the buyer?
3: Okay. So when thinking about what to provide customers to keep them sticky, I'm imagining kind of like a local level marketplace too, where you're able to kind of partner and get unique things that maybe, you know, others can't provide. Like, how do you think about creating the stickiness, especially at maybe like the local level where there's things going on around you, there could be partnerships all around you. You just have to kind of secure them and then be able to offer them to your customers. Or is that even part of the play?
2: I'm not sure about locality, really, because it's about getting the customer the options they want to buy. So it may not be just local. It may not be local products. You know, customers know about those. It may be introducing customers to products that are made somewhere else. and But now offering it up and making sure the communications and the networking is all in place so it works seamlessly,
3: no matter where they are. Are there any things that you see happening that you're like, oh, I see this working and being successful when they offer these kinds of things. Like, what do you see actually working right now when it comes to you know having these marketplaces and giving good offerings?
2: I think it comes back to it being seamless. Mm-hmm. If you look at a, at a marketplace like Apple App Store, right? Mm-hmm. It works. Um, if you think about what you get from AWS or what you get from a Salesforce marketplace, it works. You very rarely get things that You know, you have to go back and say, no, this just doesn't work together. Mm -hmm. So it's really, that is, you know, going to be the key. And then for operators, it's going to be, how do you roll those out fast so that it's not a 12 month development cycle to introduce the new product, a new bundled offering with one of their partners.
3: Mm -hmm. Alver, any thoughts on that?
2: I think just kind of from what Natasha and what Jeff
0: were saying, you know, starting first by, you know, the, what makes this successful is, of course, you know, the, you know, being super focused on the customer, whether that's a business or a consumer, right? But I think the other side is also being super focused on the partnerships. So making it very easy uh, for them. And you obviously want to... I, I like to think about the marketplace as a, a... call it a virtual place, right? Where you're also fostering collaboration. So more than just, hey, I've got something to sell in your marketplace. But I think if we look at it from the perspective of a telecom uh, provider, if that, that is their marketplace, and one of the things that they should be looking to do is to to create that cooperation, right? Mm-hmm. To facilitate it, to to encourage the innovation uh, so that those new products can be developed, whether they're for the local, you know, and, and adapt, let's say it's, you know, partners from the local market and including those. So I think that's, you've got to have both sides. You've got to really have focus on the, on the end customer, but also on the partners that you're working with to, to bring those solutions to life.
1: And I think to to add to what Oliver is saying is that you know the the operator, the businesses really do know their customers the best, right? So when it comes to deciding what that offering is and curating that it's going to align with their you know branded um, promise or their brand their brand um, innovation that they have, also um, giving them that flexibility to be able to to bring what the customer needs to them as well. And so I think that's really important to consider um, with the marketplace. so whether it's something that's a local offering to something that, that is um, available um, mainstream or widespread, I think is, is where you get that flexibility in, in, in a marketplace as
3: well. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're gonna go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host Albert Chow as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So when thinking about it from like the telecom provider perspective, like what are maybe some of the hesitancies with, you know, taking part in a marketplace and partnering around that? Like what kind of things do you see on that?
0: Historically, we look at 3G and 4G. I mean, there hasn't been, you know, there's been some partnerships, but I mean, the reality is there's been a huge investment, right? And, and 3G networks, 4G networks, you know, the telecom providers have put up massive amounts of money. The people who did really, really well were the ones who were kind of what we call the over the top, right? The digital disruptors, the, the Amazons, the Netflix. They did great because, you know, they have access to the customer. And they're not paying anything for that infrastructure, you know, to use that infrastructure. So. I almost would turn it around and say, you know, that what's needed now is really to recognize that you you need those partnerships, uh, almost the frenemies in some cases, mm-hmm. uh, but really start to find ways to work with those that may, you know, in some cases will be your direct competitor. I think that's going to be an important aspect.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I think if you look at what the telcos have sold in the past, then primarily their services led or their products led, and then they've had add-ons, they've had like handsets or various accessories for your phone. But they haven't really led with products that have nothing at the face of it to do with a communications or a phone call or a network event. That they are something else that is now leveraging that, sitting on top of that, as Oliver said. I mean, the -the over-the-top players. One of our customers is Stars Arabia. Their delivery of video service, you know, to the handset, that type of thing. Mm
3: -hmm. So then... What brings your three companies together? Like, how are you all working together and how are you working with Salesforce right now?
2: One
0: of the ways that we're working together is, is uh, we're all part of uh, one of the same uh, industry associations called TM Forum. Uh, and this is something that we have recently been working together on a project. And essentially this, you know, the, the TM Forum is, is a place for both the telecom providers, but also suppliers um, to basically work on you know the digital transformation that telco is going through and has been going through for some period of time, uh, and looking at basically solving some of those challenges. Right? You know, some of the what is what are we going to do in five G? How are we going to make it better, faster? Uh, how do we make money? And that's you know there's opportunity opportunities through TM form for for companies like ourselves to work together and basically try to look at you know how how can you realize the marketplace? How can you do that quickly? How can you bring uh, new revenues to both uh, the telecom provider and the and its partners. And so that's, you know, that's how we've been recently working together.
2: Yeah, I, I think I would add, though, that our companies really have very similar DNAs in a way, in that we come from large enterprise type product companies. But now we have moved to being more SaaS, cloud native platforms, and really leveraging a configured, not code model um, so that it's not a customization for every one of the operators. You know, it's not a separate set of code that really working on a single product platform that is also meant to integrate with other players. So that has passed kindergarten and plays well with others. Mm -hmm. I think that really having that background that we have in the space, but then having come to the new way of doing things makes it a good fit of the four partners you know, working together.
1: Yeah, definitely. And to add to what Jeff was saying, Miracle is that that platform, uh, back office platform that's an API first platform that integrates into that rest of that e-commerce ecosystem, um, namely Salesforce Commerce Cloud as well. So we have a prebuilt uh, connector that allows us to wire up you know, the necessary APIs that are needed to power an e-commerce front-end experience that, that has a, a marketplace component to it quite quickly. So really getting that goes back to that comment about agility and and getting operators to to market faster when it comes to building out a marketplace.
2: But as Oliver said, we recently done this catalyst project, the four companies, and we did that really without any serious coding being done, no changes to the underlying source code of the individual products they just work together and they make because they're all made to integrate with others
3: that's great and then I know you guys have like a project title b 2 B to X so what exactly does that mean
0: so I mean a little bit back to what we were put a little bit of context on it I mean if you go back to sort of you know one of your earlier questions really what's 5g and and why is it different and one of the things that you know I think we need to remember is telecom providers will not be able to provide these you know extremely deep and rich experiences across every industry, right? They've already kind of discussed the fact that there's, there's got to be partnerships. Mm-hmm. And so b 2 b to x is just a reflection of that new type of business model. Instead of you know, what was traditionally you know, telecom oper- uh, telecom provider would sell B2B b or B2C, uh, now it's a, it's, you're going up beyond that and saying, I might sell to another business who in turn may sell to an, a consumer or to a business. Uh, and so what it really means is that, telco providers will also have different roles to play. They may be owning the customer and customer relationship in some
3: instances Mm
0: -hmm. and others, they may be enabling the partner to have a, you know, provide a service that they could not have done without the, you know, the telco's involvement.
3: Okay. So then I'm thinking there should be a lot of education here, not only from, you know, the telcos, you know, going to their consumer customer, and then also to the customer after that, like how should they think about the education piece of not only, you know, the first level, but then also the second or third level, depending on who's actually selling to the final end user?
0: Yeah. I mean, when you say education, so I think, again, it's maybe to, to start by saying, if there's any confusion about who owns the customer, then you're going to have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, it's not my problem. Yeah. I just want to make the money. That's going to be a disaster. So I think that needs, to, you know, the roles that you're playing has to be super clear and again, I, I don't, I don't want to speculate what's going to be, I don't think there'll be one model. I think they're going to be different ones. There'll be revenue share type of models. There'll be models where it's very hands-off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really depends on, you know, the, the given uh, service that's being provided and, you know, who, who can really bring something to the table for that. So I think, you know, it's to be seen really a little
2: bit.
3: I mean, I like this because it, you know, it feels like it's also moving towards the mode of like a very decentralized type of model. Like where you're like, well, I don't know what the actual model will look like, or who's going to actually, you know, own the customer. And I mean, that's where the world is moving right now. And so then it's kind of like, everyone has to, you know, be responsible for the training and the customer service. And everyone has to kind of say yes to that, depending on, you know, who's owning that final relationship.
0: Well, one of the things I can add to maybe just to clarify. So, I mean, with 5G, if you think about like, it could be to be the X service. Like, and we actually, within our project that we were working on recently, we had a, a product and a service that we used and and basically to to illustrate the marketplace and some of the concepts around monetization. You know, what we looked at is, for example, the the B2B part, if you will. So, you know, a a telecom provider is working with a a helmet manufacturer, a bicycle helmet manufacturer, and then the telco provider is, is offering some very specific network capabilities. I'm not gonna start, you know, bore you with some of the detailed names there, but, you know, basically saying, We know exactly what you need to provide that safety experience with a helmet. We know what's going to be required to prevent, you know, an injury or, you know, in worst case, death from taking place. Can't just go, well, okay, what's best effort? We'll see if it works, right? That doesn't, that service will never fly. This is where, you know, the responsibility between different parties in that business relationship will be super important to say, I'm providing you this service and I'm guaranteeing you that this network will provide that particular capability as it's needed, mm-hmm. then the end customer and their relationship with you know whoever it might be is relying on you know the the sort of entire chain, if you will.
3: I think uh, just you know staying true to what you know, like your word with the customers just feels so important, especially around these types of services. I mean, I can just imagine so many moments where you know I buy one kind of internet quality and then. They're like, well, you're getting this and I'm running my little, you know, website being like, no, I'm only getting like a 10 upload speed. They're like, "Mm, you're paying for a thousand. I think you have a thousand. I'm like, I see that I'm not. Like that actually makes for a way worse customer experience when you think you should be getting something and then you're not, and there's nothing that can happen. It seems like making sure that you can actually like, you know, do what you say and say what you're going to do is like a great motto for this, you know, whole industry as they're starting to make their offerings and, you know, getting in front of consumers.
0: Absolutely. And that's to your point. I mean, this is again, why, you know, going back to, you know, what we've seen in the past has always been best effort. Mm-hmm. It means there's no, there is no guarantee. Yeah. Sometimes it's really good and other days it's not. And that's, you know, sorry, but that's, that's how it works. Yeah. But that's the difference. And that's, and that is, I mean, that's really part of the game change here is that the fact that you will be able to say, I need these specific, uh, you know, speeds or response times in the network to power this particular service or product. Mm-hmm. And by being able to guarantee it, then, you know, you imagine again, all these types of autonomous driving or, you know, robotics or, you know, manufacturing not going to be possible if it only
2: works sometimes. I mean for the carriers for the communication provider really 5G is almost going back to the really old landline days for those of us who remember like dial phones where you picked up your phone you always had dial tone. Mm-hmm. And you know that type of reliability that reliability has not been there in the mobile world to date. And that's one of the promises of 5G is to get that level of reliability back into the communications network.
3: I mean, the one thing that I'm very excited about hearing about this, that was just all the you know, opportunities to come once this is you know, more in place and you've got competition and you've got really good providers you know, coming to the top. Like, What are you all most excited about right now? As you kind of see things playing out, you see these marketplaces popping up, 5G, Like, what are you most excited about?
2: to me it's it's there is a huge opportunity here for us to enable to enable as we say to supercharge their revenue because we can give them the ability to bring new products, new bundles. It's really not just the product but it's the bundling of a product from one provider with possibly other products, but then bundling that in with the network services and giving that to their consumers in a very fast time to market way I
0: would agree I think. Maybe this is a selfish perspective, of and I've been and I've been working in telecom for a pretty long time, uh, long enough, you know, longer than I, I care to admit. But it's almost like with any technology, right? You know, it's like, oh, do you have 4G or do you have 5G? How many bars do you have? It's like, you know, ultimately, what I care about personally, and I think what most businesses will care about, is that it actually works and it, it provides the, you know, whether it's efficiency gains or if it allows them to manufacture something at a higher quality. In this day and age, if we can make better use of our resources and be more efficient, so if you think about smart agriculture or smart cities, that's the kind of thing that I go, wow, you know, the, the, you know, it's one of the reasons why I got into technology in the first place, because mm-hmm. you know, the, the ability to really make massive change is, is there. And so it's very exciting. I
3: love that. Natasha, what about you? What are you most excited about? Yeah,
1: um, what I'm most excited about is that opportunity for innovation, continued innovation, and even disruption as well, right? So it's uh, similar to what both Oliver and Jeff have said, and I agree with them completely. It's, it's about being able to get um, the value that you know, the consumers of, um, are looking for are expecting and demanding to them in a convenient and easy way when they want it as well. You know, it's about also being able to be proactive and also responding to those those needs. So gaining insight of what your consumers are looking for, what they're expecting, and then being able to prepare for that and offer that. So continue that deep relationship with your consumer as well.
3: Do you think this is an industry where consumers even know what to ask for? Because I'm thinking right now as myself. I mean, like Oliver and Jeff said, like it is what it is. I get what I get. Like, do you think they even know what to ask for? Or do you think you all will kind of be the driving force to be able to be like, here's now the new standard. Here's what you should be expecting going forward.
2: I mean, I think it's really, they don't know what to ask for, but it's once they get that experience and once they get that always on experience, then that becomes the expectation moving Mm -hmm. forward. Once you set the customer's expectations, that is the new norm. So it's really about the service, getting it all set up, if that's seamless, you know, that gives a really good experience they will remember that they will go buy more. Mm-hmm. If it works day after day after day, they will buy more.
3: Kind of like Amazon. Once everyone had Amazon and they're kind of like, okay, now I need two <laughs> day shipping or one day shipping. That's just the new thing. And then you see all the, you know, new DTC companies popping up. They're trying to compete and they're like, well, the customers used to two day shipping. So I guess I have to offer that. And that's kind of what I see is about to happen here as well. It's like once we get access to this new level of, you know, quick connectivity, we're not going to be able to go back and everyone's just going to have to kind of rise together.
2: I fully agree. I mean, having been with a non-traditional internet service provider for a couple of years now, I would not go back to one of the traditional ones that was on a whole bunch of different legacy networks that have been cobbled together. Mm
3: -hmm. So the one thing I want to touch on a bit too is around like, the fulfillment piece thinking about all the things that need to be like shipped out you know depending on what's being ordered and i want to hear how you guys are thinking about you know fulfilling things or helping with that cuz it just seems like a lot of new things are about to be starting to be shipped out to these businesses consumers what we haven't even had access to in the past
2: here we're really leveraging you know some of the assets from salesforce with a strong workflow engine underlying so that you can manage that whole fulfillment chain because you are going to have different people fulfilling different parts of an order. They just need to know what has been fulfilled, when it's their turn to do the next piece or what can be done in parallel and to be able at any time to be able to see and track that status of where everything is.
3: Yep. Yeah. I think that transparency is definitely going to be key of just knowing like exactly when will I get it? I mean, I always talk about this on the show, of like ordering a couch and them saying, you'll have it in like two weeks. And then it was like six months. And the whole time was very confusing. I'm like, that actually made me much more unhappy than just telling me from the start, like, it's going to be six months for your couch. Just sit on the ground for a while.
0: (laughs) This is like, you know, and like Jeff mentioned a little while ago, it's, you know, one of the things that brought us together as companies, you know, we share some of that, you know, some of the DNA, the mindset there, and transparency is super in a digital experience. It's everything Mm -hmm. um, to your point. So, and then, you know, whether that's, you know, what Salesforce is looking at or after or Miracle or or any of us. you constantly need to make sure that the customer has visibility and control over whatever they you know they're purchasing and buying, so they don't feel like okay, uh, I'll find out at the end of the month how much I owe, or I find out you know next week if I'm if it actually d- arrives or not. So it's that every step of the way, providing you know the the in building the trust. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what you're doing by creating that visibility and that control. You're, you're you're building the trust.
3: When thinking about the trust and transparency piece and kind of like having this marketplace, like how often. You know, should a consumer be tapped into be like, "Hey, here's a new offering. here's like how do you think about bringing them back and you know wanting them to kind of review all their options again and kind of like staying in touch with them, keeping an open line of communication? how do How do you think about that with these marketplaces?
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that we've seen from our customers and um, their experience is that they'll recognize that, They'll have customers that come and engage with them them once. And it it usually is around the, you know, different milestones within their life. And so what they're able to do by offering different complementary products or services within their within their business and their commerce platform through a marketplace is to follow them through that life. So perhaps maybe starting off with a new home, what are going to be the, the things that they would need to create a connected home, a connected experience to then you know, maybe um, starting a family and and having a family plan, or then maybe into um, what you would need to have a connected um, experience with um, with your baby. So, um, having that technology and enabling that, and then so on as as, as they continue to 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 move through their stages in their life, so to speak. So, I think that's something that um, we've certainly seen as a as a benefit and a means by which to be able to continue to increase that customer lifetime value um, through that customer's lifetime journey.
3: I love that. I mean, it's kind of like get a new house. Okay. Now you need 10 ring cameras instead of five and you probably need this baby monitor that's connected. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a new mom and, and what we see now, thank you. And what they see now are these little socks
1: that you can put on yeah. the baby when they sleep at night. Little, yeah. yeah. And um, it will track their heart rate, their you know oxygen levels, etc., and so on and have that all connected into your phone to be able to, to see, uh, to see and monitor your baby. So yeah, it's, it's happening, right? Yeah. There's, there's all of this information and data that we're collecting throughout our entire life journey.
3: Wild. When I look at all the stuff now that's on the market for babies, because I didn't use any of that for any of my three boys. I mean, they're still young and they <laughs> somehow are still alive. I don't know, but I look at everything that's out there <laughs> and know. I'm like, how did I not have this? That's great. I think it's like the yeah. little outlet thing or whatever. I'm like, I need Jeff exactly. Jeff, Oliver, anything to add to baby talk or anything else? <laughs>
2: I mean, I think, you know, the operators have a, the communication providers have an opportunity because they can see what kind of traffic any given device or any given account is generating. And from that, they can make some inferences, but they have to also be careful. It doesn't make them sound creepy, you know, at times, but to give the right advice of what to buy, but it's more just being able to easily find on their marketplace, the device, the services that their customers want so that their customers don't end up going elsewhere. Because most, uh, most purchases are not somebody reaching out to you and saying, Hey, you really need this. It's you realizing you have a need and going and starting to research. And it's at that point that it's got to be easy to find. And if it comes from a provider you trust, then much easier to uh, get the business done quickly. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. I can see a lot of benefits to having kind of, you know, AI and personalization running behind the scenes to see exactly, you know, what they might need, how they're looking for things and, you know, offering new products in that manner. So for the last 10 minutes, I actually think it'd be fun to kind of flip it since you guys all, you know, companies working together. I want to hear if you guys have questions for each other. Who wants to start, Oliver? You look (laughs) excited about this.
0: Yeah, no, I guess maybe, I mean, maybe just, you know, Natasha, I'm thinking a little bit about marketplace. I'm no expert, but I know, like I think about 5G and I know that, you know, there's, there's opportunities with 5G for both consumer, you know, new consumer offerings. We've been talking about it today, whether that's, you know, could be a new, the next connected baby device or faster, faster internet, but there's a whole lot more um, that really starts to go into business, right? I mean, business opportunities for, you know, selling services to enterprises and how they can then take that into their individual markets. Maybe just share like some thoughts on on the marketplace in terms of reaching enterprise customers, not just you know, consumers like ourselves, but enterprise customers.
1: Absolutely. And that's what we see a lot of is it's not just um, you know, conversations with with businesses that are are trying to provide for their for end consumers like us but also in that B2B space as well. And and enterprises, they too also are are looking to create offerings for, for their types of customers as well. And we're seeing a lot of innovation and expectations. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's people that are powering and is the power behind enterprise businesses as well. So the expectations that we have in our day to day lives, we're bringing with us every day when we come into the office, and so those are the types of experiences that we're we're starting to, to have. And so, when it comes to to enterprise and, and marketplaces, it's it's about being able to again bring a lot of the you know innovation to at a quick pace and and grow and growth um, and at scale to enterprises as well. And it, it's also about creating that that customer experience, that con- experience that we we've been talking about. So having a richer relationship with um, with um, the businesses as well is what we're seeing. So it's very it's it's very similar. It's the interest is picking up um, significantly over the past few years as well in in that B two B space.
3: Jeff or Natasha, what about you all? Any questions, Jeff? You look like you're dying to ask one.
1: I guess Natasha,
2: where do you see the Marketplace is going not just a sell-through of, from one vendor, but really a bundling of offers from multiple vendors and then being sold through.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think with what we're seeing there is that the again, it's that operator' that's, that's trying to build that relationship. They're doing so by extending across through these sellers to be able to create the, the most appropriate offering. And so, and so through that, there there certainly are are ways within a marketplace platform to to provide the infrastructure to to do that. Not only from a, a bundling standpoint, but you know what we were talking about earlier as well from the rest of the infrastructure that goes um, along with um, with the marketplace. So the fulfillment aspect of it as well by bringing all of these providers together within. A central marketplace platform like Miracle, then an order that's placed or a bundle that's been created can be split out and then managed individually, but then rolled up to um, a commerce experience to create that unified view and that transparency um, to, to the end consumer, to the end, like the end business customer, as well as to the operator. But in addition to it, it's also being able to create the right customer service experience as well. I think that it can be um, facilitated quite easily, regardless of who's actually fulfilling or providing that end um, goods or or service.
3: Right. What is six G going to feel like? If anyone has any ideas or thoughts, no one, no one's going to bet.
1: I feel like we've got
0: so much ahead of us with five G. Right. I mean, again, it's like most of us, even if you've seen today five G on on a phone, it's not the five G. It's not the true five G. Okay. It's like the it's a it's a precursor. It's a basically just a start typically, you know, you talk about 10 years before you shift to the next generation of mobile technology. So I think we've got a while. Let's, you know, let's, let's get something out of 5G, but I'm sure those who have some time to look at 6G will.
3: Okay. I was just imagining me riding around on a cloud, finger guns out, <laughs> you know, tapping into every IOT device as I go. Yeah, Not possible. Okay. Natasha, do you have any questions for Jeff or Oliver? I do. Um, my first job out of university
1: was actually working for a software company that was creating value-added uh, services for um, telco providers. So, you know, it would be like text five of your friends for free and then it would do all of the calculations to get those like, you know, um, on the bill at the end to, to, you know, so things have changed a lot since, since then. You know, Oliver, what you, you mentioned, what does true 5G look like? What is that going to be?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a good, that's a very, very good question. Cause I think, I think it'll look in many, it'll look very different depending on what the service is. Right. So, I mean, that's a, maybe an awkward uh, way to answer it, but you know, to start off with it, certainly some of us are going to recognize 5g as wow. You know, I can do things. I can download something super fast, or I can upload it really fast. Oh, that's 5g. That's only, you know, it's just a, just a small part of the whole overall picture. Some of the things we'll never see. Um, hopefully, we will benefit though from them. So again, you think about you know five G. There's a huge, I call it the enterprise or business opportunity, really, that to bring about connected services and products that has never been possible before. Because either it was too expensive, or you know there were there was coverage issues. You know you couldn't you couldn't connect that many devices to it to a network. It was just simply wasn't feasible. Now that starts to happen. I think what we'll see is we'll we'll start to see. Uh, conveniences. Uh, we'll see quality improvements, and again, things hopefully that will benefit, but not necessarily directly see uh, using our resources or growing food in a more efficient way, uh, or healthcare uh, or navigation. The opportunities are really limitless. You know, hopefully, it'll be improving our life, but we won't necessarily be. It's the oh, it's the next great app or great great game. I'm sure there'll be some of those too, uh, but I think many of it will just simply uh, will help us live. You know, fa- you know safer, and and more comfortable and hopefully also more, less resource intensive lives.
3: Which is kind of like the core to technology advancements in general. It's like things just get better and you don't always notice it. Actually, when you stop noticing it, that's probably when it's like, you know, as good as it can get.
0: Well, it was funny because actually earlier today we were talking and and we were, you know, the 6G question. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, and I hate to use this example, if you take an iPad or something, and one of the things that we all really, many of us sort of, even if you're not Apple fan, you know, you kind of realize that. They made it extremely easy to use, and they didn't really have to think about, was this a, was this a 3G, 2G, or is it how, many, how much memory or how fast? It didn't really matter because it was the experience. And I think that's something I'm hoping that we'll see with 5G. It's really about that experience, that seamless experience, improving our lives, improving the things we do day to day. We don't really care if it's 5G. It's underpinning everything we do.
2: Yeah, I think from a provider's point of view, the real thing will be, can 5G truly replace the last mile? So that is where Mm -hmm. the costs are. That's where the resource intensive use is. Um, You think of all the copper that still has to get relayed when a, you know, a hurricane goes through Louisiana and they've got to restring all of that cable again. Can 5G truly replace that? If it can, then it will benefit everybody.
3: Cool. I love that. That was a great place to uh, end the interview. I really liked kind of having you guys ask each other questions. I feel like I need to do that. Going forward, but my future interviews, it's only one person. So I guess they'd be putting that back on me. So never mind. Yeah. It only works at a round table. Anyways, Jeff, Natasha, Oliver, thank you all so much for coming on here and hanging out. It was really good to hear your guys' perspectives. Where can people find out more about the work all of you are doing or individually? We can go, Natasha, Jeff, Oliver. You can all go.
2: Certainly, the work we're doing is Olivier said, you know, the work on the TM forum is all at the tmforum.org. PM forms all one word. And there's lots of interesting catalyst projects. Ours is the most interesting, if I do say so myself. The company, uh, gotransverse.com. Cool.
3: Natasha, for more
1: information on Miracle, it's uh, you can go to miracle.com.
2: And if you want to
0: learn about more about Matrix and what we do, we are at matrix, M-A-T-R-I-X-X.com.
3: Cool. Thank you so much, everyone.
0: Thank you. Thank
2: you.
3: Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnext commerce. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast.